0: Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, Simon Mann, here with me, Simon Hughes, and we're going to talk this week, as summer seems to have finally arrived, about the general expansion of the game, with two specific areas, I suppose, of our focus. One is To celebrate, in a way, the beginning of Ireland's Test career, because they're playing a Test match for the first time on Friday against Pakistan, becoming the 11th Test match country. And then later on in this show, we're going to talk about how to integrate better this vast massive support that the English game has or you know participation that the English game has in the Asian community nearly 40 percent of all recreational cricketers are Asian and yet not many of those actually end up in the professional game so we're going to have a look at that after the rate. but first actually talking about Asians you've seen Pakistan in action this week what did you make of them well I was very
1: impressed with their leg spinner Shadab Khan. He took six wickets in the first innings against Northamptonshire. He does spin the ball a long way. He's only officially 19 years of age. He hasn't played a huge amount of first-class cricket. He really came to the fore playing in the Pakistan Super League because he was taking wickets and he was economical, but he's progressed since then. Obviously, Yasis Shah is injured, which is a setback for Pakistan. He you knows absolute shoo-in for them, even in conditions that you know green pitches at this time of year although the sun is shining at the moment but he, he does look at a, a decent talent and they they came to england thinking or oh, not quite sure what we're going to do with our side for, for the test match against ireland should we play a spinner we might just need seamers but actually, when you think about it, a good leg spinner against a team like Ireland and even a team like England, who've not played leg spin particularly well, might well be the way to go rather than just packing your side with pace bowlers.
0: Yeah. And you look at someone like Shane Warne, who always believed he could take wickets, even in seamer friendly conditions. And I, I, I was at a game the other day, actually, a, a girls game watching a leg spin, a 15 year old girl playing for Warwickshire. And she got wickets because she had a googly, even though there was no actual turn, just by getting one to go straight instead of spinning a little bit away, you know, does cause problems. So ideal. Of course, Pakistan, inexperienced batting lineup in English conditions and have struggled so far. So that'll be something that the Irish. Can focus on, and we've got someone on the program today who will probably give them problems. Uh, Tim Murter, who will be playing his first test match at age 36, great pinnacle of his career, great t- excitement for him. And he's been one of the players of the season already, taking a number of wickets at very low cost for Middlesex. He's that sort of batsman's nightmare in April, isn't he? The guy that just nips it around at 75 miles an hour, wobbles it each way, perfect line and length. Gets the edge. He's been taking more wickets uh, this weekend for Middlesex down at Sussex. And he's just a classic early season bowler, isn't he? He is. I suppose that the
1: question is, what sort of pitch are they going to want to play that test match on in Malharu? What, what sort of pitch actually can they they produce? It might well be you just get what you get given, basically. You can't dry it out enough you know, for it not to be green. I've been there for one-day matches, but admittedly a bit later in the year, where the pitch has actually been quite good for batting at Malahide. But it, it,
0: might, it might well be that they want to have a, a shootout with their seamers. I think it will. And and if you look at the way that Ireland set their game up, I mean, it is very much guys quite often bowling with the keeper stood up to the stumps. Certainly that happens in Irish club cricket. And any time you play against Ireland, you're expecting bowlers of sort of 75 miles an hour to, to just wobble it around, give you no pace to work with. And th- they should stick to what they know. That That's their sort of indigenous skill, in a way. The only problem they've got, of
1: course, is that Pakistan have got some useful seamers as well. There's yeah. someone called Muhammad Amir. Although I wasn't that impressed with him in the first innings at, at Northampton. He seems to have lost a little bit of his zip. When he gets everything right, it, it, it looks magnificent. But it, it was a bit of inconsistency. I suppose you could say, well, this, it's the start of a tour. Hasn't bowled a great deal with, with the red ball of late there's Hassan Ali as well, Muhammad Abbas and Raha Ali in their pace bowling battery. So they've got options. So if it is a bit of a shootout, then you know, it's
0: fair to say Pakistan have got options as well to come back with. Let's hear from Tim Murtagh because he's gone past 700 first-class wickets. He's an absolute fulcrum of Middlesex's early season campaign. And what I talked to him about was how he exploits those red ball moments in the early season and does he mind the fact that there's a lot of white ball cricket suddenly interrupting his progress
2: these are the times for a bowler where you kind of um, cash in and um, take advantage because you know the wickets have been pretty wet you know I think all throughout the country the the amount of rain we've had in the last month has been pretty unprecedented so um, yeah it's a good time for the bowlers to to, um, as I say take advantage but you know, equally some other years, you know, we've had really nice kind of Easters and uh Aprils and um the wickets haven't been too bad. So I guess just this year's been uh particularly wet. You can tell sort of there are certain players that you're playing against in championship cricket that, you know, if you hang in there long enough and bowl enough dot balls, they're gonna make a mistake because, you know, they're looking to get on um and score runs and wanna feel bat on ball and you know, there's not so many players in this day and age who bat a whole day, who'd score a hundred in a day.
0: Do you think there should be a better balance in how the the four day games are spread out during the
2: season? Yeah, I do. I'm, I kind of quite like the 16 game championship season. I thought that was a kind of uh, a real test of um, yourself, your techniques, your kind of stamina throughout a year for a bowler. Um, so I actually quite like the kind of uniformity of playing everyone twice and. You know, this year in this division, we play some teams twice and other teams once. Um, I thought there was space for 16 games in a year, but, you know, that's coming from someone who's not playing a whole lot of white ball cricket as well. So that might be different if I was playing every game.
0: Is there a feeling amongst the players that, I mean, I noticed Ollie Rayner posted something the other day or today about mm. the, the, the fact that players haven't been consulted that much about this new 100 hundred ball tournament? Yeah. I mean you got a view on that
2: I guess that tournament will stand out compared to other tournaments I know a lot of people say um, T20 cricket works and you know if it's not broke don't fix it or whatever but you know that's the case at the moment in 10 years time it might not be the case and um, I certainly remember in 2003 I was probably one of the few players who was playing when it first came in um, and that was a big kind of ridicule then I remember I was at Surrey then um and it was kind of spoken about in the dressing rooms a bit of hit and giggle and um you know we wouldn't play our full team in those games and you know that's how I got my start I think in in ball cricket I kind of played a lot of t20 games because the club didn't really take it that seriously at the start um so a lot of people criticized that when that first came out and I think you know it's just a case of uh, wait and see I'm sure it's not a decision that's been made on a whim and A lot of research and and stuff goes into these things and there are obviously broadcasters' um, opinions that need to come into it that us as players don't necessarily see. So I can sort of see the bigger picture a little bit as well Um, and willing to give it a go.
1: Well, that's Tim Murta. By the way, thanks to everyone who's reviewed or rated this show so far. And if you've enjoyed it, please tell someone you know. Now, interesting comments there from Tim Murta. And it's true, isn't it? When 2020 started in this country, there, there, there was a sort of slightly sniffy attitude. Oh, that won't work. You know, 20 overs cricket. you know, It'd just be a bit of a circus. And look what it's turned into. The ECB has been criticised, and by players as well. You just sense there's that criticism out there from the players, and we weren't consulted. This is a bit of a joke. T20 works tim murta they're saying well actually i I don't mind it i don't you know no great objections to it think back to what it was like when t20 started and it was oh we'll just put out a you know we won't put out a proper side
0: for the t20 match it's amazing how it's changed and uh, you know people will say well the ipl's a circus and it's become sort of too big for its boots and all that but actually it still has quite a big impact on the game as a whole, because, you know, it's on every day. I mean, the, the, in a way, the model of the IPL is so good for the simple reason that there's a game on every night and it's on at eight o'clock at night in India, so sort of 3.30 in England, and you can sort of set your clock by, you can set your whole day, your day around it, you can orientate you around it, and that's what a lot of Indian people do. And that's, what I think, what we need in this country is when the T20 is on, it needs to be on at the same time of day and in a bulk, in a block, like they're planning in, the year 2020, to have it in a sort of five or six week sort of area of the season so that you can almost exactly know when the game's on and who's playing and follow the whole progress of the tournament. Um, and the other impact it's had is look at the way it's improved the game overall. And England have benefited because they've just gone to what number one ranked ODI team, and there's no doubt that some of the players that have put England into that onto that pedestal at the top of the one day game have benefited from playing in the IPL and other T20 tournaments around the world.
1: I don't know if it's just me, but I just sense that this IPL has had a, a greater interest than anyone before it might well be just because there are more English players playing in yeah, the I'm IPL sure That's right yeah. It, it might be because of that, but I, it, it's here to stay, isn't it? And it, are you just? I was watching uh, watching quite a lot of sport on television last week, and it, it, it just struck me that I was watching the two Champions League semi-finals, the Europa League semi-final, and actually the passion of the crowds, no different at all from the from the IPL, is that same buzz, and it, in a way, it's, you, you feel quite envious. I think as a uh, think of international cricket in England. Occasionally there's that buzz, but it it
0: isn't there the whole time. Well, you know why that is, I think, is because the excitement comes from the players. And if the players look excited and look really passionate about the game they're involved in, that then infiltrates into the crowd and even into the TV audience. I think they cover the IPL well because they focus on the emotions of the players and also the supporters. And there's a lot of very extreme sort of hyperbole used on the show itself on the, the commentary but it it sort of evokes what the atmosphere is like and there's this general buzz around each game and that's what we need to try and create in, in our tournament in 2020 going back to the sort of more traditional game we, we were talking about Ireland you know becoming the 11th test nation and in a funny sort of way you know they've actually made a name for themselves in one day cricket it's easier for a smaller country to prosper in the one-day format because in a test match you know in the end the best team wins you know over the four or five days the talent will out T20 very much levels up the odds it's a lottery really who's going to win a T20 game one player is it really well is I it? think I think you know one player can still come off and change a game in two overs and there's no chance to come back Whereas in a test match, you, know, you can get bowled out for 100 and still possibly win the game by batting better in the second innings. Look at that fascinating uh, county championship match between Yorkshire and, and Essex, for instance, where Yorkshire were bowled out for 50 in the first innings and, and yet made a fantastic game out of it. So, you know, the longer format of the game, the better team will normally win. And I think that my worry with Ireland is you look at their average age for their first test and the average age is 32. And they've got seven players over 30. And really, they peaked in 2011 in that World Cup. We were both there watching England lose to Ireland in Bangalore in the World Cup. Fantastic performance. Most of those players are still playing. That's seven years later. And I think that's their problem, is they haven't really been able to kick on with their first-class structure, which is really only now coming into play. And therefore, they're not producing enough really talented young players. And of course, you know Ed Joyce... Age thirty nine, making his Test debut at thirty nine, almost one of the oldest has ever done that. Fascinating.
1: Yeah, I think he's the oldest. Well, certainly the oldest since Omar Henry in the early nineties, who, who played for South Africa. Of course, who had that long time out of cricket. It's almost. It feels a little bit as if it's come a bit too late for them. The question is, is, actually, how much Test cricket they're going to play. I suspect they're not going to play huge amounts. I don't think they're going to play three match series, you know, home and away, and they're not going to be part of the Test Championship. So they're going to play little bit i think a little bit you know perhaps a couple of test matches a year and we'll, we'll actually hear from tim Murch in just a moment talking about his his island experience but it, i think it is just a great moment for them though to play a test match against as well a proper a proper established test match team in pakistan you know we're not talking about playing against zimbabwe or, or afghanistan you know, this is pakistan they've got not as many stars as they used to have i think it's fair to say But they are a a talented team. They won the Champions Trophy last year and they could well be in the shake-up for the World Cup next year. So they, they are an exciting team to play in their first match.
0: Just in relation to the age of this Irish side, one of the problems they've had building up for this Test match is that now only three of them are playing county championship cricket, whereas, you know, probably a couple of years ago, a few more, people like Niall O'Brien and others, Kevin O'Brien, they would have all have been playing county cricket, but they haven't had that opportunity this summer because they're not really required by counties anymore. But that hasn't dimmed Tim Murtagh's excitement for the prospect of playing a Test match.
2: I thought that chance had gone, you know, a long time ago, I guess. Um, so to actually potentially make my test debut at 36 and um, play Ireland's first test is, you know, massively exciting. You know, the last two or three years we've struggled a bit against, you know, we've obviously had history of beating some good teams in World Cups and in between times not really had um, as good of results as we would have liked. But um, you know, you look at Bangladesh, their first few years of playing test cricket was a massive struggle. I think even New Zealand before that didn't win a test match for a long time. Getting that quality of cricket before a test match is a bit of a struggle. Um, I know they're doing their best and <clears throat> there's various inter-pro games going on at the moment. Um, and there's some of us guys are playing county cricket as well. So um, it's not ideal, but, you know, we'll, do, we'll make the best of what we can.
0: So thanks to Tim Murtagh for for that interview. And actually, he's got a bit of a decision to make, you know, because if he plays in this Test match, which presumably he will, next year he'll be an overseas player for Middlesex. Mm. And they'll have to really weigh that up, whether they can give up an overseas slot to him in preference to perhaps a, a more famous name. But my God, he's invaluable to Middlesex at the moment. Now, after the break, we're going to look at a different subject, a different area of expansion, how England are going to integrate the Asian community. Welcome back, and just uh, one thought about Irish cricket, actually. I've had a lot of interaction with, with the Irish over the years. Of course, they had uh, a lot of players from Ireland played for Middlesex, starting with Dermot Monteith, the left-arm spinner in the 1980s. Ed Joyce, of course, played for for Middlesex, and, and Owen Morgan, who came over, and I remember seeing him first when he was about 16, belting it into the trees in a a, a benefit match somewhere in Buckinghamshire. Um, amazing talents they, they do produce. But the the visits to Ireland I've usually made have been very drink-related. And I always remember playing uh, for Durham, actually, against Ireland in the NatWest Trophy in the 1990s. And we played this match. We had Ian Botham as a sort of travelling supporter because he'd been hit on the foot by Waka Unit in a test match and couldn't actually play. So he was wearing a pair of flip-flops, with this broken toe poking out, but that didn't stop him playing golf. So after we'd beaten Ireland, we went off to the golf course and played a, a round at the K Club. This is Durham against a, a sort of bunch of the Irish cricketers. And we had the, the, the whole kind of, uh, almost the, the freedom of the K Club for that day and played this wonderful round of golf. And I remember um, Ian Botham still allowed to play golf in flip-flops, uh, missing a, a, a four-foot putt and whacking his toe in annoyance with his putter and then screaming in agony because he realized it was his broken toe he'd hit with his putter we finished up in the bar you surprised me you surprised me (laughs) Uh, we we finished up in the bar at sort of nine o'clock after this round of golf and I always remember going up to this barman at about two in the morning when we were still drinking um, fantastic evening and saying to this barman this is the middle of July saying to this barman uh, can you tell me when does this bar close because we needed to catch our flight And he just said, October. We finished up, we left at six in the morning for a 9.30 flight from Dublin. And I always remember our captain, David Graveney, who went on to be chairman of selectors, taking with him in the taxi a three quarters full glass of Guinness, as you do at six in the morning, and sitting in the front seat of this cab with the Guinness in between his thighs, and he kept falling asleep on this sort of hour's journey to the airport and then every 10 minutes he'd wake up with the sort of turn of the car from around a bend, seize pints pint of Guinness and just take another sip and then put it back in his thighs again and then carry on. And, you know, we did eventually get back to, to London and caught the flight. And I think Irish cricket has probably changed a bit since then. That's professional sport, folks. <laughs> anyway, um, on to slightly more serious topics and um, the way that... English cricket can integrate this vast mass of support and potential skill which is the Asian community. 40% of the participants in the amateur domestic game in England are from the South Asian community and yet only 4% of those players end up in the professional game. And some counties have, have hardly ever had Asian players, and it's a real shame because there is so much talent there. I mean, I go and watch junior cricket, and I watch, obviously, school cricket, even girls' cricket, and there's lots of talent in the, the Asian community, natural spinners and wristy batsmen and some good pace bowlers as well, and yet they don't end up in the professional game, and it's, it's exasperating. And, of course, they don't also go to to the matches as much as they might do as well, to support England, which is their home in in many, many cases. And so what's quite encouraging is the ECB have set up this foundation, the the National Asian Cricket Council, which is tasked really with trying to sort out this issue and try and get better integration. And, you know, the blame is on both sides. I think sometimes we haven't embraced, or the, the, the white community haven't embraced the the Asian leagues enough. There's still an awful lot of Asian leagues going on on Sundays which aren't really part of the traditional game and they play on sort of part pitches and they they manage with very, very poor facilities and they keep going and there's a lot of talent going on there. But I also think sometimes Asian clubs haven't been that good about embracing the white community. And you look at a club like Indian Ginkana, fantastic... Who are based in London. Who are based in London, you know, fantastic team, uh, great traditions there, and they are trying to get more white members because it just needs to be more integration. Is it a case though that I mean, you, you go along to a Champions Trophy match, you know,
1: India-Pakistan or India against whoever or Pakistan against whoever, and the South Asian community who live in Britain just prefer to support India or support Pakistan
0: or support Bangladesh or Sri Lanka, or of course Chennai Zuba Kings or you know Mumbai Indians. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not an easy issue to deal with, is it? But the disappointment is that. You look at a county like Middlesex, for instance, who don't have many Asian players, and yet there are so many Asian cricketers in London, and you just feel that our game could move on. I mean, you know, we're searching around for a spinner, for instance, and they are natural spinners, a lot of these Asian boys and girls. Uh, Amar Verdi is playing, obviously, for, for Surrey now and, and looking talented. Is he the kind of example of someone that we've missed for the last... 10 or 15 years so why are we talking about this well the fact is that the nacc the national asian cricket council are announcing a big initiative this week wasim khan the, the chief executive of leicestershire is heavily involved with this community as well and that the announcement is a, a sort of 11 point plan to try and get much better integration between the South Asian community and the traditional English cricketing community. And Gulfraz Riaz, who is the chairman of the NACC, explains how that might work.
3: One of the facets of um, trying to understand why uh, South Asian cricketing communities are not going into the professional game, Um, we we felt there isn't anybody in the middle. So an ex-professional that played the game, like Kabir Ali or um, O.S. Shah, for example, these guys having played the game and being professional, obviously, for many, many years. So last year, we, National Asian Critic Council, got a select group of Asian lads, and uh, Steve Kirby at the MCC Young cricket was very kind to uh, allow us to play a pre-season friendly. And uh, we, we discovered from that um, a guy called Kashif Ali from Luton, um, a, a top-order batsman, uh, bowls a bit of leg spin. And the long and short of it was that he was on Essex's book as as an academy player, but really wasn't going anywhere, and having spent a bit of time with him, we we soon realised that actually, hell of a talent, but actually the soft skills, um, all the things that Simon wouldn't have been a a professional, uh, were were missing from his element of his game.
0: Meaning what? Do you mean fitness and stuff?
3: Yeah, no, no, fitness was amazing, Um, you know, he, in the beep and the yo-yos, he's just done 20.4. So he was very, very, and is very, very fit. His soft skills were communication, uh, being very shy, very uh, kind of introvert. Um, the soft skills of communicating, being isolated from his teammates, timekeeping, um, discipline, etc. So a lot of things that were almost non-cricket relating related. So we we felt that actually, from an SCC point of view, he would be a very, very good. Not a project, but a, a guy to to mentor. So, I, I took on that role as as mentoring him. And, and fast forward a year, um, he's now a, a category A player with with Kent in his first year as Y six. So he's predominantly playing um, Kent in eleven at the moment. Um, but what's really fascinating is that you know his his role um, as as a as a very very talented young kid has been almost moulded um, because. I had a relationship with Steve Kirby and I've got a relationship with Min Patel and I think that's what's been missing over the years that there hasn't been anybody in between the talented Asian community to tell them what the soft skills are and, and Simon, you're absolutely right although Kashif is a very, very fit lad um, a lot of the South Asian cricketing community talent isn't related at the end of the day to bowling, batting uh, it's, it'll come down to fitness um, attitude, you know, strength and conditioning diet and all that and that's where they probably fall over so the, the mentoring side of it is something that is actually in this strategy paper and we feel that actually um it's true two, two-pronged one that you find somebody from within the communities who has a relationship with for example the yc's or kent in my case uh, but also we would like to see the ecb and the county boards promote um, south asian professionals who have been in the game and retired and i think warwickshire have got a good model at the moment where Kadir Ali and Mo Shake are looking after one of their county age groups.
0: So that's Galfrez Riaz, chairman of the NACC, the National Asian Cricket Council. And there's big moves ahead to try and get that integration better, to try and get more coaches from the Asian community working with all sorts of clubs and schools and obviously counties as well. I mean, I was at a girls' game yesterday, Warwickshire against Middlesex women, And uh, I talked to one of the I talked to the Warwickshire women's coach there and he said, you know, quite a lot of Asian kids, boys and girls are playing for the age group teams of Warwickshire, but they're not fit enough. They haven't got the right diet. They don't turn up on time sometimes. And there's just been this problem with how to groom someone to be a really top class cricketer and all the sort of boxes that they have to tick now. And hopefully this initiative is going to help that process. So this really is about the ECB recognising that
1: there is this vast swathe of, of interest, uh, fanatical interest in the game, and talent as well, and trying to say at last, right, come on, let's have a, let's have a partnership. Let's not be separate. Let's have a partnership.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it, it's a wonderful thing if it can work because you've got this, you're preaching to the converted, aren't you? you know, I remember um, going up to Bradford actually once and going to some schools and I can't even remember why I was there. But, you know, talking to these wonderful kids, Bangladeshi kids, Pakistani kids, who's your favourite player? And it was always, you know, Sachin Tendulkar, Raul Dravid, uh, sometimes Shane Warne because he was a spinner, you know, but they never, ever mentioned English players. And, you, you know, you, you're just dying for them to, to want to be, to emulate one of the English players, whether it's a white player, or whether it's an Asian player, you want them to emulate English players and try and aspire to play for England. So are you saying that,
1: Asian origin players have played for England in spite of the system in the
0: past. I think we've been lucky to have, some have just made it through. Someone like OA Shah for instance. I think who partly had Mark Ramprakash as a sort of icon and Ramps was the first Asian player that had really come through Middlesex ranks although he was sort of half West Indian in a way as well because his father's actually Guyanese. But OA Shah was, I think, inspired by Ramprakash. And actually, we all thought he was Ramprakash at some points, the way he played. So they need those sort of role models to to focus on. And there weren't any. Hopefully, there'll be more. So that initiative is going to be announced
1: uh, this week and also this week. Ireland play their first Test match against Pakistan. We wish them well. How do you, how, what's, your, what's your sense about how that game's going to go? Could it, could it be a, a really tough experience for Ireland? Or do you, do, you, do you sense they'll give a good account of themselves?
0: I, I think that they'll... Uh, sort of, They nearly beat Australia, actually, in a one-day game about three years ago, which I went to, but they just haven't got enough quality in the end. I think the batting will get found out by the Pakistani bowling. I'm sure the Pakistani batsmen will struggle. Someone will get runs. Uh, to to get them to uh, sort of 180 200 target, but their bowl is just going to be too hot for for Ireland to handle. Yeah,
1: there's still some talent in that Pakistan batting lineup. Azhar Ali, of course, is an
0: experienced player. Assad
1: Shafiq, who made 100 at Northampton. That's but the one question is, have they had enough preparation time against the red ball in UK Irish conditions going into that Test match? And, and what sort of pitch are they going to face? in that game and that that's that's going to be the, the unknown that's going to be the tricky test for them it would be great actually if it was a, de- of a decent game of cricket as well just a tight game of
0: cricket yeah and the, but Graham Gooch's old line uh, fail to prepare you prepare to fail I mean the problem of course is Ireland won't have much preparation either because they haven't had a, a proper first class match together as a team and they don't play much first class cricket so the long form of the game is going to seriously challenge them Anyway, we'll see what happens. Don't forget this podcast is in association with The Cricketer magazine and you can get 20% off your subscription to The Cricketer magazine by going to www.thecricketer.com forward slash podcast and subscribe to that new issue out in a couple of weeks' time. And if whoever you get your
1: podcast from allows you to do this, please do rate this podcast and leave comments. We'd like to invite you as well to our Facebook page, The Cricket Analyst. Anyone can join.
0: Please join. And thanks for listening. And we'll speak to you next week.